Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of All Good. Um, this week, I had stand-up comedian, improviser, writer, and actor Al Val on the podcast. They've done several stand-up tapings for TV, including Just for Laughs, CBC, the Halifax Comedy Festival. They are basically famous. Um, but I chose Al because they're someone who, for some reason... We don't cross paths a lot in comedy, but when I do get to speak to them, they're just radiating positive energy and kindness, and it's just so contagious. And they have a way of making people feel better about themselves, which is like not a quality that I possess, but I'm trying to learn how to do that. Um, And I also text them at 1 a.m. about comedy anxiety, about once a week, and we talk about that in this episode as well. Um... Also, if you enjoy this podcast, give it five stars on Apple Podcasts. I hate telling people to do things, but it just helps this podcast grow and reach new listeners. So if you want to do it, go ahead. If you're listening to this because you hate me and you're using this to perform some sort of hex on my life, that's fine as well. Anyway, um, that's all I have to say. Enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And um, yeah, see ya. I have no intention of living with somebody in like a marriage status way. Mm. Like I, I never get fantasies about like living with each other and like ha- being happily married and living in the suburbs of wherever and having that kind of life. And uh, it, sometimes it, it kind of worries me. Like people in my family are just like, okay, well, what if you meet somebody who wants those things and like you are in love with them? It's like, well, I guess it's just like the wrong person at the wrong time type of thing. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't worry think, about that. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say that I feel like the, uh, the right person at the wrong time doesn't exist. I'm like, it's just the wrong person. That's yeah. how I, I completely agree. I think to to entertain any kind of thought like that you're getting into like soulmate territory and i think soulmate shit is just bullshit i think people are compatible people are always changing so like you're not the same person throughout your entire life so the right person at the wrong time doesn't exist you're just wrong for each other yeah and so i completely agree with you on that and i like i love my personal space and i can get really claustrophobic and some of my coping mechanisms are really internalized and repressed where I just need to like be alone and maybe I need to work on that and open up a little bit more, but to have somebody constantly there, it, it weighs on me. It is burdensome, no matter who they are to me. I just need my own really private little cubby. Yeah. And yeah. And having somebody live with me would just be kind of exhausting. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, romanticize the idea of like living with a partner and like having this whole like life and whatever like I was never and my family's pretty traditional so like they don't believe me when I say that I don't want kids and like I don't I maybe I'll get married maybe who knows but I'm not gonna have like a ceremony in a church and like yeah 
wear white and have this whole thing. It's like, it's just a different generation, I guess, but they're always just like, oh yeah, you know, you say that now, but they're just like, no, you're just repressing. They're just like, you're just running away from your emotions. I'm like, no, I'm not. I was like, who are you, Dr. Phil? All of a sudden, are you my therapist? You're telling me that I'm running away from my emotions? Yeah. Um, it's just a different life. Everybody wants different things. But what you said about people changing as time goes on, people are always changing and people change at different rates throughout their life. It's like, there's some people who maybe have a new perspective on something every three years. And there's some people that it happens every six months or whatever. And it's like, you need, I, I feel like if once you start changing, you would, it makes sense that you would need a different partner, somebody that fits into your life at the current moment. Totally. Totally. And as, and especially in like a romantic relationship, once the honeymoon phase is over, and in most cases, statistically, it, in, it, inevitably, it inevitably happens, mm -hmm. then you're just kind of, then you're just roommates. <laughs> and I think neither of us want to be in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> putting it out there for everybody listening. Yeah, this is, uh, we're really signing our lonely <laughs> certificate for like the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not putting any of this information on a dating site. If I'm <laughs> be like, I don't know. Yeah, 100. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but it's weird for me because uh, I don't know if it's selfish or not, but it's like when I'm in, when I'm dating somebody new, like I, I, my actions, everything about me says relationship. Like it's something that I'm ready for. Like I do want to be in a relationship. I don't know for how long, I don't know what that means, but I would like some sort of commitment from this person because I would also be committed like I'm one of those people though, that was like, once I'm in a relationship, like I'm not, I do like monogamy. Like I'm not looking around and like, unless I'm very unhappy, in which case mm. I'll just leave. But um, I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I like the idea of monogamy, but marriage, disgusting, but monogamy I can get on board with. Yeah. And I totally relate to that. Like, yeah. first of all, it's been so long since I've, I've felt connected to anybody that it's all I want now lately, mm -hmm. which, yeah. which like <laughs> um, that the ex that I mentioned, it was this, she, I'll always, I'll never forget. She, at one point when we, when we talked to each other about marriage, she was like, why, why are you holding these examples as the be all end all of marriage? Because her parents had a really healthy one. And like the ideal, it exists. And her parents, like they would fight, but they would always have, they had great communication. They would like figure it out. And at the end of the day, it was a partnership. And she, and so she grew up with that example. So it was this collision of these two people with two completely different ideas of what marriage is. And it was just a weird reality check for me that it can be possible, but it's work obviously. And like comedians fucking hate work. So yeah. I'm, I'm already like, ah, you know what? Not worth it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's like the thing of, like, I just want to be braced for anything. It's like, I know that this is worst case scenario. I've seen the police get called on people. Like I've seen so many things that it's like, why? Yeah. To think that it can't be that is also strange. It's like, I'm mm -hmm. just preparing for the worst case scenario. And if that's worst case scenario, for some reason, yeah, we're yeah. okay with, like, I mean, huh, it's interesting. Comedians are so interesting because I feel like we're neurotic, but in, like, very specific circumstances. Like, comedy is the most flighty career path that, like, you could ever have. It's so chaotic. But then in our personal lives, we need, like, order, stability, 
don't want to get into anything that I can't fully see through yet. I'm, you know, I feel suffocated in relationships that are long-term and like, I need my own space and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we've just launched ourselves into this. Yeah. I don't know if this is a comedian thing, but I think, but like on that point, we do have these weird, sophisticated coping mechanisms that Mm -hmm. are, are, they're sophisticated and complicated, but they're just weirdly pocketed. And we have these weird sort of strengths and weaknesses and enormous blind spots. And there's just a weird misattribution sometimes of ourself, of, of our defense mechanisms, like going on stage and pouring out your heart and soul to a group of people and telling them openly about your problems, that can't be the most healthy way to go about solving your problems or coping with them. Right. But it seems to be, it's, it seems to, we make it work somehow. Yeah, that's what's very interesting about it. I was actually on Twitter so the other day. Somebody tagged me in a tweet about how, like somebody I didn't know, I think it was one of my reply guys, tagged me in this meme about how like comedians should keep like their therapy off stage. And I was like the only comedian tagged in it. I was like, is this, <laughs> like, are people afraid? <laughs> yeah. I, have you ever dated anyone that has seen your comedy and like not messaged you back? Cause that happens to me a lot where like guys will, they're they're kind of mean i don't know they're they can be mean like these guys yeah because you know you're behind a screen so you don't know anybody but like if i've taken off that i do stand-up comedy off of my thing i put like comedy writer and even that they'll find something to be mean about like there's guys that'll message me being like so you think you're funny like send me a script or i'm like oh my god Uh, (laughs) this is a this is i'm being assaulted right now yeah and i don't know like i don't know how much that is weird gender roles and male insecurity being like the guy is supposed to be the funny one like oh yeah you know but at least those guys are calling themselves out so you know to avoid them but at the same time i i sympathize it's got to be exhausting yeah it's like i uh yeah i i i've never been on a date where the guy is like trying to be funny or you know what i mean like trying to prove that he's like super funny or whatever but uh they either like don't ask me about it at all because they like don't know how which is something that's interesting because I feel like I get really even if like nothing else lines up if a guy asks me good questions about comedy and seems to be interested in that part of my life then I'm like I see them differently meanwhile that's just the bare minimum because it's just so rare that anyone takes an interest in like our work (laughs) I'm like they're my soulmate it's like that is literally the bare minimum that you can ask for someone to be interested in your life yeah Yeah. it's i i've found that it's hard for people to relate or to even wrap their heads around this lifestyle Mm. like it really points to just how common the nine to five is and just how common people commonly people just kind of go the traditional route go to school find a secure job and then there's nothing secure about what we do so it just boggles people's minds yeah yeah. And it can, and not only does it confuse and befuddle them, but like, it's kind of a threat to their own lifestyle too, at the same time, because how do you compromise these two crazy different lifestyles? Yeah. That's, that's hard to juggle for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we're fucked is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we yeah. never find love. <laughs> and we chose this for ourselves. Yeah. We have nobody to blame, but ourselves. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! Um, so I was asking this question last week to my listeners, listeners, my fifteen listeners, people, uh, my uncle in Milton that I mentioned, and hey, shout out, what's up? <laughs> yeah, 
Um, what was something that your parents or grandparents uh, threatened you with to eat or to like do a chore? Is there any, was there any of that? Or did you grow up in like a healthy household where they're just like, use your indoor voice? This is the first example I can think of. So I'm just going to say it, but um, it was kind of uh, threats, threats of anything short than excellence. Like these kind of um, these subtle, like, okay. So uh, everybody in my family, it was just a given that you went, that you learned some instrument at a certain age my parents would put you in lessons. So uh, for my sisters, it was violin, piano. For my brother, it was guitar. And then when it was my turn, I, I remember really vividly sitting at the dinner table and being like, I want to play guitar. And the conversation went, do you want to play guitar just because your older brother does and you want to be like him? Or do you want to play piano? Because statistically, people who play piano are smarter and they, and they like kind of biased me into piano and that's what I mean when I say there was like this subtle uh, comparison of excellence. There was like, you can be a guitarist or you can be a genius pianist. It was like they were also kind of in a way projecting expectations on me where it was like, well, I want to make my parents proud and happy. So I don't know if I'm explaining this well enough, but that was just one case in a lot that it was like, well, you can do this or you can fight for our our praise and admiration and acceptance and do the better thing you know right. oh that's interesting okay wow that's that's interesting i feel like uh that's common ish like there's always parents being like hey like i think a line is crossed when it makes you feel like really bad about yourself which in most mm -hmm. cases it does uh, but my parents did that too they were just like hey you want to why, you know, get B's when you can, you know, study an extra half an hour and get that A that you wanted, you know what I mean? It's kind of like push you in that direction. Sure. I was, I was referencing more of like, like literal, like myth mythological creatures that like my parents would make up. They'd be like, the boogeyman would come and get you if you don't finish your corn and like <laughs> things like that. Um, like actual scary creatures that they would just like make up. I was, uh, I was talking to Jen Cicado last on the podcast and she said that her grandparents told her that snakes would come out of her mouth if she kept whistling. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's so funny. I'm trying to remember. My memory sucks. I don't remember anything. I think before. that's great. I think that's such a good thing if, if that didn't happen to you. Um, I just developed a fear of the dark and just a fear of everything. My parents were one of those people that like, instead of actually being informative about like what your the real dangers are and like how to avoid them like I just operated under the assumption like everybody wants to abduct you everybody wants to oh murder you uh and if they do take you you're gonna end up like one of the girls in the news and you know it was always like don't trust any of your friends they all want to kill you too yeah uh, don't walk around at night don't do this don't do that all of that stuff okay I remember this one uh I would, uh, I was always a mouth breather. Whenever I watch TV, my jaw would just relax and I just breathe <laughs> through my mouth. <laughs> so, but, and I remember my mom threatened me. She was like, uh, if you keep your mouth open, it'll shrink and shrink and shrink until you don't have a mouth anymore. Like, <laughs> like Neo from the matrix, where his mouth just completely seals over and he's like, mm, mm. she was like, that's going to happen to you. 
if you always breathe through your mouth. It's going to keep shrinking until you don't have a mouth anymore. That's so funny. Oh, God. <laughs> I love how um, <clears throat> inventive parents get with things like that. Yeah. And yeah. like the the audacity of them to be like, oh, he'll believe this. And I fucking did. <laughs> I still bought it. I didn't look around and... I didn't bother for one second to look around me and be like, how many mouthless people do I know and see? Right. You know? so... <laughs> and it worked. Uh, there's like a plastic surgery gone wrong and your parents are like, see, mouth breather. <laughs> mouth <laughs> breather. Can't breathe through their mouth anymore. <laughs> I love that. I love when, uh, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. Like those childhood stories are so funny and like unique. I remember my dad, um, popped a so there's one time I was like playing in the backyard and I kept kicking the soccer ball over the fence and the neighbor kept throwing it back and so they were just getting like tired of doing it it kept happening and my dad was working on something in the backyard took his like I forget what it's called like a power tool like power like a drill uh, power drill yeah there we go took yeah. a power drill and literally popped a, a hole in the soccer ball that I was just in front of my eyes and he's like that's what happens when you keep kicking the ball over the fence and I was Holy like oh, okay, I guess playtime's over all right wow yeah Portuguese people that's you know, crazy yeah that's heartbreaking but I love it is heartbreaking that's what happens when you have uh psychotic European parents yeah you could have uh, been a professional soccer player I could have. Yeah. My dad just popped the ball in front of my eyes. <laughs> play competitive soccer, right? Like you played, cause that's I, like, I actually did play soccer. I know that we have that in common cause we we're going to mm -hmm. join that league in the summer. Yeah. I would like to. You did. I used to. Yeah. 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 That's nice. And then I, I tore my ACL. My knee is completely shredded. It's gone. I've had three surgeries on it. It's I shouldn't be running, but I still do. I just, I, I miss, I miss it so much. I join every, an intramural league every once in a while, and then I'll have a deep hamstring pull on the second game, and then there goes my season and my 150 bucks that I paid to be a part of this oh. beer league. So I never understood the extent of sports injuries. I know that sounds kind of stupid, but I was always like, okay, so you tear something in your knee. How does, like, you just run on it and it's just incredible pain? Or like, you're just like, okay, this is, this is not bad now, but I know when I'm like 80, like I'm going to be in a wheelchair type of thing. L like now, or yeah. when I tore the ligament like now, like when you start running now, you're just like, like, okay, I need to stop doing that. Well, now it's bone on bone. They took out all the cartilage, the protective layer that like, you know, allows for you to keep bending on it. Right. Yeah. Impact. So now it's just bone on bone, which oh. means that slowly, 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 like the bone layer is just grinding away and and chipping away and cutting away until like it's gonna get really painful it's just gonna hurt eventually like fuck and i'm gonna have to have it replaced that's like a guarantee at this point wow and how did that happen though in your sport in the injury initially when it happened um so it was i injured it playing football no, wait, no, I was playing soccer. No, that's right. <laughs> I was playing soccer. All it was, that's why I, I pivoted and I was going so fast and I pivoted and I made a lateral move this way, but I had so much momentum that let's say, let's say 
these are my legs <laughs> and my head is my body. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm running this way and I want to do a hard stop and turn that way. So this leg plants into the ground, but my body is moving so fast that I go this way and the knee joint just goes clack oh. like sideways. Oh my God. Yeah. So the, I won't be as graphic. I'll, I'll, should I like, should I tone it down? No, no, that's okay. That's all right. I, okay. If you're squeamish, I can like pull it back a little bit, but. Okay. Yeah, maybe pull it back a little bit because okay. joints and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. But after that happened, now, every time I watch any sport and a guy doesn't even have to injure it, it's just yeah. in slow motion to watch somebody pivot successfully and and be totally fine i'm like oh every time i see it i just i i have flashbacks that's intense that's craziness yeah those sports injuries are so while before you got injured were you like on your way up like moving up the ranks through were you in like an academy or something i don't know how it works it's probably no i wasn't i wasn't exceptional I, i like played rep and I think I played premier, but nobody was scouting me by any means. And I didn't really care about going any higher anyway. So. Oh, great. Yeah. So, well then <laughs> I am sorry to hear that. That's um, intense. I'm only now getting acquainted with bone problems. My mom, she's like 49. She's got like a really bad disc thing in her back. And I've never seen the full extent to which bone injuries can happen i'm like holy shit this looks yeah. very painful take care of your bones out there yeah sports injuries are insane because it's like you're, you're they're kind of unavoidable at that point like what were you supposed to do slow down and stop running and lose the ball or something like it's just kind of the nature of sports yeah I don't know. that that shit will just it, it can happen to anybody really but yeah. i wonder if i wonder if it's a result of like they they were telling me after I injured it that sometimes if there's an imbalance in your muscles, like if you're like my quads were really super jacked, but my hamstrings on the other side weren't. So like muscles were overcompensating for strengths and weaknesses. And I think that imbalance can contribute to like your ligaments being strained and your movements being weird and unnatural. So. Uh, okay. That would make sense. Cause that when I did physio after they taught me to like, whenever I plant a foot and move in a different direction to like try and keep my body on top, on top of my legs, instead of like legs just kicking out right. and spinning in another direction. I was always a quick little bunny rabbit. So it always worked for me until it didn't, you know, I was too fast for my legs. Right. <laughs> what a great uh, strength to have. God, yeah, but... all like this guy's got to slow the fuck down we can't keep up and then one day you're just like yep it got the best of me my legs yeah. they wanted to go and my torso was like stay yeah yeah inertia i was defeated by inertia <laughs> <laughs> my own oh, fucking God, that's speed wild. yeah and uh when were you playing like when did you stop playing or i guess when that injury happened yeah that that significantly and then i tore it again so like oh. i stopped playing premiere uh when i was like 16 about Mm -hmm. there yeah yeah that seems to be about it it like when i played soccer it was i loved it it was great but i felt like there was a lot of like i was going through this academy system so like you played you played rep so house league then you make your way to rep and then um there was a showcase thing where like you got some people got put into like an academy 
there was like a fast track program to the women's national team. So I was Ooh. in that. Wow. I was great. I was great. I was, honestly, I was fine before everybody started hitting puberty and I didn't. And I was like the smallest kid on the soccer team. I was really skinny, like super frail. So I was just getting bodied off the ball, like all the time. And what position, um, by the way, so I used to play right wing far, uh-huh. far right wing and then crossing in. That was, that was the only thing that I was great at was That's I was right. really fast. And then I would make the cross and like, that was it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Did really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. then, like, if we were down a goal and needed somebody quick up front, then they'd put me up striker. But, like, yeah, I would usually be the wing guy. Yeah, yeah. Great position. to. I loved, I loved playing it. Didn't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And then people started to uh, grow. <laughs> and even though I was fast, if they caught up to me, they would just, like, body me right off of it. Uh, and then when I started to go through puberty, I wasn't gaining weight. So I was just very skinny and then tall. So I was uh-huh. slower somehow. Yeah. My legs were longer, I guess. I don't know, but I got incredibly slower over the course of like two years. And uh, they put me in like the midfield position and then that didn't go well because I didn't know how to operate the midfield. I never played it before. And then, uh, and then yeah, and then I got cut off this program and I joined a second city. <laughs> My dad was so pissed. He was like, <laughs> what the fuck? He was like, we put so much money into soccer. Now you're a theater kid. No, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that is a pretty dramatic change. No pun intended. I was like, uh, you know, trying to like slide tackle people. And then I came out of the thing and I was like, I'm going to go do jazz hands now. See you later. (laughs) My way to second city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, this is a guy, I mean, there was one summer I used to have horrible, uh, acne, like a total pizza face. And so I took Accutane for one summer. And one of the side effects of Accutane is that it, your joints like lock up. They're just, you're not as flexible and athletic. You, so I lost, like my speed was my greatest asset and I lost that for a summer. So it was the most frustrating experience experience. And I wonder if you can relate to like, yeah, I feel like I can relate to like losing a step or something feeling like everybody's passing you by that summer I couldn't run for shit I was just a I was a pylon out there yeah that's the thing it's like they put kids in these programs but it's before anybody goes through puberty and it's like why I I understand it like you know what I mean it's like the people that become really good at the sport are the people that went through puberty with the least amount of obstacles possible and Mm -hmm. like rounded out in the perfect way and like filled out in all the right areas. And then they just get scouted to the next level and then, and they just get better and better. And, uh, and players that are really good when they're in their younger years, <laughs> just go through puberty wrong. <laughs> Something happens. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, you just fall behind naturally. Bodies can't keep up anymore. Yeah. People yeah. tend to forget that like to be a professional athlete takes also a shit ton of luck, like not only <laughs> genetics, but like, avoiding injury for an entire career that's injuries can end all that shit just like that it's so fragile yeah and sometimes people don't even have to intervene sometimes you could just be really strong and fast yeah and your legs will try to dislocate from your body that's how fast (laughs) (laughs) what a what an epic story though yeah it's pretty cool too strong too strong too fast yeah (laughs) i um Who's your favorite soccer team? Well, I mean, 
in my house it was just my dad's portuguese so it was just ronaldo this that but i i like it that's the thing. I don't get why people have to be in one camp or another. It's always this uh, argument between Messi and Ronaldo and everybody's yeah. like, Ronaldo sucks or Messi sucks. You're like, they don't suck, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Like, they yeah. are so uh, athletic and good at what they do. They don't see it like that. Why are we trying to do th- like, I can't, I'm the most unathletic person on the face of the earth now. I should not have an opinion on who's a great soccer player and who isn't like, yeah. Yeah. The fact that we're talking about these two people and there are people out there like, he's overrated. <laughs> like by who? Yeah. Like, these are the two people everyone's talking about anyways. You dumbass. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Do you feel like when you used to play soccer, did, did that give you any um, preparation for what was to come in comedy? Did that prepare you at all for like your career? Wow. Good question. I guess, <laughs> uh, I guess in a way that ACL tear uh, set me up for a whole bunch of... <laughs> it literally launched you into a different career. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It prepped me for a lifetime of disappointment and excruciating <laughs> sudden loss. So that's... Hey, there we go. I think it prepared me for having my dreams viciously ripped from me in the blink of an eye. Yeah, there's a lot of like... I, I kind of have like a bit of like an obsessive personality so like once I feel like I could get better at something I just become like obsessed with it until I I guess like do it like with soccer like I said it was like an obsessive thing where like I would go to the field every day like I was practicing at recess I just like was I was literally practicing for my soccer game that day like I was very much about just playing soccer but while I was playing like the only reason that I wanted to get better was that I could be on tv like I just had this obsession with being <laughs> on TV. <laughs> uh they were just like yeah you have to go through all these programs and I'm like so but then I get to be on tv like at the end is the tv one yeah yeah when's like, the tv part yeah <laughs> uh so it, yeah kind of attention hoary for a 14 year old but I was like yeah very much about the tv thing yeah that's interesting. I've never drawn any sort of comparison to the two. I, feel I would like, have to think about that. It's it's so weird to me that there, I, I feel like there's so many crossovers between sports and the arts though, that are just like very parallel, like the mm-hmm. obsessive kind of career mentality that, that athletes have, like the dedication is there on both sides. It's kind of weird that people that are like so hardcore sports fans, fans hate the arts. Like they don't, Mm-hmm. uh really care for it at all yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know i, feel like I guess it, they are equally competitive just in a very different way the mm-hmm. same way like uh comedy is kind of like any sort of marathon you're kind of running against your personal best even though there are all these other people around you yeah so you are competing against everybody but in a way you're just competing against yourself because it's not like you, you can fucking punch somebody in the back of the head while you're running <laughs> yeah exactly. same thing in comedy it's not like i mean you could if you wanted to but you can't like cut somebody's mic <laughs> just to be like ah i've got a leg up now <laughs> oh, al val's here to cut your mic everybody dark. <laughs> yeah pat al down for scissors because he uh, for some reason he keeps bringing them to shows I don't know how supportive your parents were when you started doing comedy but it was like my mom was very supportive my dad was not supportive which like, I understand, you know what I mean? Like I, I get it at the time I didn't understand it, 
because it's just different generations you know now it's like nobody nobody that's our age complains about people getting into the arts we're just like yeah that's great we love we love it go do it whatever mm-hmm. like my dad immigrant background he's like that's not a solid career path yeah uh, I was like literally two years ago you thought I was gonna become a soccer player so let's talk about unstable career paths because that's <laughs> equally as terrible. <laughs> that's um, so interesting yeah has he have they come around at all yeah my dad has but it's only in like a financial way like he like he's happy for me if I'm like making money mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like yeah but if I'm not, he kind of has a hard time understanding. Like, it's like, oh no, like I, I also just like doing this. Like, it's not a, like a job to me. A hobby, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is such a, that is a very European approach. And I like, I, my family's Lithuanian. So I got that European upbringing. I can totally relate to that. Cause when I started, it was like laughed off as a hobby, even though I was pretty obsessed with it out of the gate. And, you know, as long as I finished university, I think everybody thought I would just outgrow it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was still in university at the time. So they're like, as long as you get your degree and then find some kind of a job in psychology, <laughs> because that's what I chose. Yeah. Uh, but as it became more and more evident that I meant it, uh, the concern was mostly like financial reasons. Like I'm, I was working at bars and restaurants for so long and even up until last year, just as a safety net, I was still working part-time at a bar. And then I had this breakout year for myself where I was getting all this work and I was getting on TV and stuff. And the weird thing was the support went from this uh, casual approach. They were like, oh, this is just an obsession, a hobby to, oh shit, Al is serious, but it's not going to go anywhere. And Al is going down this path that is going to lead to just destitution and sadness. Then I came out, then I had all the success and the support was there ish, but my family is still really confused and weirded out, frankly, just weirded out by all my gender shit. So all these things that I accomplished in one year in a short period of time, was met with very little fanfare, just like a pat on the head. Mm. So it is kind of weird that I, that I wanted all, I wanted some show of support all this time. And I did get it. Like my dad is, was a fan. I don't know if I like, but nobody's really all this to say, nobody's really in now that I'm succeeding. It's like where I thought they would all be like, now you've made it. Now you're, now we get it. Now we understand it was just like swept completely under the rug. Right. Nobody talks about it. Right. Do you think that they don't talk about it as much? I'm sorry if you don't have to answer this, but do you think that they don't talk about it as much because you also came out and it's something they're still also trying to wrap their head around. So they just can't do that simultaneously. Yeah. Like that's the thing. I think they want, they want to support and they do support me and they love me. I don't, I don't know what, how I'm like representing them, but sometimes I do feel like they're, they, maybe they just don't know how to communicate it because this is uh, my lifestyle and my fucking gender identity and my personality and my choice. My choices are just so beyond their comprehension that they struggle to articulate their support. Maybe that's it. 
I mean, again, my mom, super supportive, but my dad, it took him a minute to get on board. And even now I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing the, cause we had the tapings together. And I was like, I'm going to go do this taping. Like, is this it for you? Like, are you just like, oh, okay, now, go, okay. Like it's, you know, it's like now we've entered the gates of this is a career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though it was long before that opportunity came around, you know what I mean? It's like, is that the thing that's going to help you see it? Uh, and nope. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, how much money are you getting paid? I'm like, this much. And he's just like, okay, that's good. Um, save it. And he's like, I'm like, I, I, yeah, it's okay. I understand where you're coming from. It's literally just a place of you not being able to understand because it's just a different way of, of life, I guess. I just have to accept that. Yeah, totally. And I think that's that's the bottom line. I feel like everything that I've said is kind of misrepresenting them. And I feel bad, like I'm throwing them under the bus because I know that they care and I know that they support me. It's just, they don't understand it. I think. Yeah, that's all and, yeah. yeah. And like, and uh and I think they're still, and you know, I, I'm sure they're still worried because like all this success can just get ACL torn completely. My legs just can completely get cut out from under me. Um, or I don't know. Okay. See, I disagree with that. I don't think that, that happens to people. I think that is our way. Cause I have those thoughts too. I mean, you know, I've messaged you so many times. I've been like, I've been like, please tell me that they're going to air this. And I'm like, I'm so insecure about these moments they can seem, uh, and I don't know if this is most comedians, but it's a lot of people that I've talked to where it's like these happy moments are very fleeting. So it's like, you don't want to enjoy them too much because you don't know where it can go. Mm -hmm. um, so I never, like, I don't celebrate anything until I know for sure that like I have it. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the problem with our career is that the like I've made it moment I don't even think exists. I think yeah. it's, it's just a thing of like, okay, what's next? Can I do this? Can I do this? I have this job for, it's just like an ongoing, ever changing process. I don't think we're ever going to feel satisfied. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially because relevance is, can be so fleeting. Like, it, like our taping, it's going to, when they announce, we're going to advertise it like crazy. You and I are going to be on top of the world. Everybody's going to sing our praises naturally. <laughs> But then, you know, a month will go by and then it'll be like, what's next? There's that's that's like the gift and the curse. That's that's the that's the plus and the minus of being in entertainment is that there's always what's next. What's we're always running. <laughs> we're always chasing something. Exactly. So I look forward to the release of the thing because I I I burned my closer of like seven fucking years I had this closer and I burned it. And so the what's next is going to be the scariest fucking thing for me because people are going to be like, yay, good for you. And then a month will go by and it'll be like, well, shit, now I got to write a new closer that I had for seven fucking years. Oh my years. God, same. That's what I'm thinking about. Okay, do you know how nuts I am? Okay, so this here, I have a joke board in my room. Oh, nice. So I'm trying to organize things that I've written. B to C, you could improve it. This is our A stuff. Um, because yeah. I'm just like, I want to be uh ready for the next thing that happens because you don't want to again, yeah. It's like what what's next? Because if you don't get something in every three months, um, the industry thinks that you are dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh in a way. But I think that's just my own uh illness coming through. I don't think anybody thinks you're dead. I think that I talked to one of my friends about this and she's got such a healthy outlook on life she's just like it's your it's your life she's like you want to do 
this festival, you have your whole life to do that. You'll do it. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. she's more like, um, take pride in the writing and performing aspect because that's all that you can control. Like make that be your source of happiness at all times. I'm like, that sounds great. However, maybe for American comics, but for Canadian comics, like that that's nice and everything, but like those paychecks are kind of hard to come by. So like we need to make yeah. sure we're getting those opportunities. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's what a, what a privilege it would be to think that way. Holy yeah. shit. You know, <laughs> like it's, it, that is so much easier said than done. And I mean, there is a fundamental reason why we do comedy is because we enjoy it. But at the same time, like there's just so much to stress about and sometimes especially when it becomes a career then you have to take so many other things in consideration that like i'm not i mean it helps to have those reminders that like get back to the basics and do it because you love it but it's it's there's so much there's so many other things to consider and so many other stressors it's just too hard to stay in that moment right for too long before you're like fuck man, <laughs> what's going on with my B material? I completely agree with that 100%. Also, I feel like the longer that you're in this for, like maybe for the first two years, you're like, oh, this is fun and exciting. You're making new friends and life is great and everything like that. But then you become more aware of opportunities that are out there and like ways that you can, you know, make money. And then you go for those things. And sometimes you get them and sometimes you don't. And it's like, I feel like um, people that aren't, in the arts aren't oh I don't it, it is like a check to check or at least for me it's it's literally a check to check lifestyle mm-hmm. and not knowing where your next check is going to come from is very stressful yeah so like sometimes I will be just in my house I'll just be in a, a bad mood because like a gig has fallen through or I really wanted to get this opportunity and it didn't happen and people just they just don't get it they're just like yeah but you're doing something that you love to do and I'm like yes but also uh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> also I want to have some sort of lifestyle yeah that too yeah and I want to meet people who aren't comics. I think that's also kind of important. <laughs> Our community yeah. can get so insular that you forget what quote unquote a normal human being looks like and yeah. talks like. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. But, uh, and not to throw, and this is another thought that I've been really struggling with lately is um, like there's, there's loving what you do, but then there's the strategy of it. And I get so consumed sometimes about being my material being good enough Mm. and you know I've been doing this 14 years and I've never released an album I've never recorded because I've only done the two tapings but what stopped me for 14 years is like I'm not ready this isn't ready this material isn't ready telling myself that for 14 years and this whole COVID experience has really put that into perspective because it's like when we're all back all of that material is pretty much irrelevant now. Like it's, it's out of time. It, none of that applies to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so all that material is pretty much burned. It's a thing in the past. And I really, I missed every opportunity just to buck up and be like, you know what? It's not perfect. Nothing's going to be perfect, but it is what it is. And I'm, and I should just be proud that I made this thing, you know? Yeah. Why not put myself out there? What am I waiting for? What am I afraid of? Right. So is it be, is it, because for me, it's 
sometimes it's like, I don't want to record an album before other people uh, think I'm ready. Like I need to wait for the seal of approval from the entire community before I put out an album. I'm not sure if that's that way for you. Or is it just your own perfectionist coming through? It's more, there is a small element of that, but I would say that the large portion of it is my own perfection. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I do, but I do get where you're coming from because I'll be honest, the the petty part of me sees some people release albums, and I'm like, you're you. (laughs) There are some there are some times where it's like, okay, that's yeah, that I would say that's early. Yeah, Um, but I and I I think I just need to change the way that I think about it. I got to think about it as an album instead of being like this perfect thing where it's like this punchline. And yes, get it to as good as it can be. But it's like, it's just a staple in your life. It's just a, it's just a point in time. All it is is just like, ha, this is me at this time. These are my thoughts. This is my outlook. That's it. See ya. You know, that's exactly it. And mm-hmm. that's why I like, I, I'm inspired and, and, and yeah, like I, I take back what I said, like the whole you, you thing. Like I, I also uh, admire and envy the, the confidence that those people would have to be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's nail this shit down. I'm always going to write more material. That's, I want to learn from that. Mm-hmm. You know, the sun is just really fucking with my lighting. Give here. me this but, angelic glow. <laughs> but it's coming from the bottom up. So it's I don't coming know. From your neck. It's just yeah. Like- but my point is uh, you're absolutely right. in that like an album need not be anything more than just uh, just your your fucking stamp on one point in time and be like this is who I am right now this is who I was back then yeah it's something you can look back on and be like it's never it's never going to be perfect but that's who I was at the time and that's something to be proud of yeah I think um there's this Sarah Silverman quote that I think about from time to time and she said in in this industry you get what you think you deserve yeah and wow, that's so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes you're just waiting for like the hand of God to be like you. And it's like, that's you. Like you have to be the one to be like, yeah, no, I I deserve this. I know full well that I should be here. And, um, and I don't need anybody else's approval except for my own. I've thought about after this pandemic, just giving myself an end date, just being like, okay, yep. Yeah, in seven months, you're recording an album set the date tell somebody about this date reach out to one person and be like i want to put out an album at this time it's something that i really want to stay on track of would you be able to just so that it's not you know in my head i'm like okay i'll move it back and keep moving it back it's like no that's you've already told somebody they're preparing to do it this is what you're doing yeah i love that i think that's the greatest way to motivate yourself and and like that's that sarah silverman quote is so good and it's so true because I mean, applying it personally to talk about myself again, um, that's why I never uh, really like approached uh, showcasing for any clubs. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I had this idea for the longest time that I would be sort of discovered or just picked out where like my reputation would precede me and somebody would vouch for me and they would be like, you don't have to do the whole seven minutes every Tuesday night, the whole incubation process because we know you're legit and we know you have the time to fill. Mm-hmm. And I kept waiting and waiting and waiting that that would happen. But like, it just doesn't, it rarely, rarely does. Yeah. And it, it's held me back from so many opportunities where I didn't do the reaching out because I was like, 
I just want them to notice me. That's so silly. That's right. and right. in that way, I got the gigs that I deserved because I didn't think I was good enough. Uh, it wasn't a prideful thing at mm. all. It was just me being too afraid to ask. So let me ask you this then: Does getting the tapings and having this amazing breakout year change that perspective at all for you? Does it now make you be like, okay? I'm going to go after what I want. I'm going to reach out to the people that I want to, that I want to see me. And like, now it's go time. Or do you find yourself still kind of in a way, kind of holding yourself back a little bit? I think I'm still, those are old habits that are going to take a lot to break. Yeah. Can I, can I do something about this yeah. lighting? <laughs> Give me one sec. Yeah, yeah no problem. Okay. There we go. Holy shit. What a difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um that's gonna be an old habit to break for sure it's but i think on the bright side yeah looking ahead knowing how scarce gigs are gonna get now because of everything closing down and and knowing what a scrap it's gonna be for gigs more like just as much out of necessity i'm gonna have to reach out and i'm gonna have to really hustle and nobody's gonna just no magic finger is gonna come jutting out of the clouds to point at me and be like your turn like now more than ever i need to unlearn that old shit and learn how to how to yell until i get some shit you know yeah 100 percent. how are you with what were you gonna say you say something but yeah, these these credits finally help something. I gotta say, for the longest time, part of what didn't help was that I just didn't have any credits. Right, right. Uh, I, yeah, I wish that was the same for me. I, I think we're in the same boat. It's like, yep, yeah, these are hard habits to break. Getting this taping means a lot to me, but I can't say that it fully changed my mind and not like walking mm -hmm. around being like, I deserve everything and more even though I feel like that you should think like that to an extent, not in a way that's like sick and like egotistical, mm -hmm. but in a way that's just like, you know what, I've dedicated eight years to this. This is what is supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know? Oh yeah. I was going to ask you, this is such a stupid question. I, I was like, <laughs> do you like to read? That was one of the questions that I wrote down. Oh man. I wish I did, but I hate it. I don't like reading. There's a joke, uh, like my real name is Algis or Algis, and I add gis at the end of everything that I am. And it, like, it's hard to explain. So if I'm like tired, I'm tired gis. It's, it's just a little That's joke adorable. to myself. Or if I'm so depressed that all I want to do is lay on the floor, then I'm floor gis. It's like my state of being, you know? That's so cute. <laughs> so, um, so when I, so I don't, I am terrible at reading instructions. I think reading is such a chore sometimes that I skim as fast as I can just to get whatever information I need just to get this shit over with, you know? Yeah. And so whenever I fuck up and don't read directions properly or instructions or whatever, and I screw up later, that's read gis. Read gis. <laughs> and it's a running joke with my friends and family that they're like, hey, read gis read all of this please and confirm that you've read it because you're read gis so read gis yeah that's it sounds like a hate crime i don't just tell somebody they're being read gis i'm like that seems hateful for some reason yeah. oh <laughs> it does a little that's bit so funny 
I yeah, I also don't read. I have I literally am in quarantine and I'm just like I uh, want to 2021 read one book, just literally one book. And I have not been able to read anything since like Angela's Ashes in high school. It was in, like reading. yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all I kind of read. It's one of those things that it's a nice thought. You're like, it would be nice if I liked reading more. I wish I liked reading more, but that's that's exactly where it stops. You're like, I, I've had this Robin Williams book that I'm like, I'm only eighty percent of the way in. That's more know. than I've ever gotten. That's you should be proud of yourself. It's taken me two years to get to this point, though, so <laughs> I, I don't know how proud I should be. It's like, uh, yeah, those comedy books that like my family got me when I was first starting because they thought it'd be cool. Have not looked at them. Have not even looked. like. There's yeah. so many things. I'm reading this book right now though called Sapiens, and by reading this book right now, I mean like it's just literally sitting there. Like I yeah. read 30 pages when I first got it, and now I haven't touched it. Um, yeah, because I don't know. A lot of people are reading it. It's just about like the evolution of humankind and whatever. Cool. It's, all, it's all introspective and shit. I, I bought a telescope I, too. I don't know. I'm just trying to find hobbies to do that make me seem. I will only pick up hobbies if they make me seem interesting. If they make me seem like uh-huh. a quality that I don't have, that I wish I had, I will take. I will try to take it up. Yeah, I, uh, I totally. I'm down with that 100. I, I have and like, I have guitar, but I just play by like I don't learn anything. That's the thing, reading and tutorials and any kind of learning experience, for some reason, I just recoil at that shit. So like, if I want to learn a song and I'm like, I want to learn that riff and I queue up a YouTube video, as soon as the person hosting the video is like, hey guys, what's up? It's your boy. I'm like, no, no, I'm never learning the song now. That's it. It's been decided. I don't want this. I just don't want any part of this. That's so funny. I, uh, I okay, so do you know who ju- just guitar time with Justin? I've heard about this guy. I love him. I have I have a crush on him. I'm like, listen, I know these videos are from like 2007, some of them, but like big fan. He's uh, like, I think he does mostly like acoustic stuff and like some electric stuff. But uh-huh. yeah, I've tried to take up guitar too, like actively, but I'm not as great as you are. Like you, the videos that you post online are insane. I'm like, this is Metallica. This is literally <laughs> Aerosmith. And I'm like, uh, I'm like a trashy Cheryl Crow on the acoustic guitar. You're giving me way too much credit. It's anybody I, like, I just, uh, yeah. When I post that shit, I'm like, this is sloppy and gross. And sloppy is, and gross. I was like, this is sick. This is the sickest. You got the fan going in the background. It's like a concert. And some of them are <laughs> I'm like, he's been shredding all day. He's a guitarist uh, in the truest form. And I I'll take it. Smoke on the water. Hey, that counts. Hey. Smoke on the water. It's da, 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 da. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I'll, I guess we're out of time. I mean, my throat is pretty dry. This is the longest episode yeah. that I think I've ever recorded. So thank you so much for your time. I hope it was good. I feel like I let you down in some parts, you know? Why would you let me down? I feel like I let you down. I'm like, you should have been more prepared with better questions, but I think that's the nature of the podcast, of every podcast, I think. I mean, my Oprah, I'm not trying to be, um, you know, Barbara Walters or whatever, you know? Well, I thought you did great. You did. Yeah. 
it was it was natural the whole time it, it ran really smoothly i just wish i could have given you more of me you know you i did get all of you i got i i think this is perfect i think this okay. is great I, there's 15 listeners. I'm sure none of them are going to mind. <laughs> no, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Um, is there anything that you would like to promote at the end of the episode? Um, I have a podcast of my own called Podgis. <laughs> Naturally, right? P-O-D. Readgis. Yeah. As, uh, the whole gang shows up. Readgis, Florgis, Rantgis. They're all there. Mm-hmm.